Don't touch it. Don't touch that. (laughs) Shall I tell me no one's coming? (laughs) Please don't touch that. Polite consent. (laughs) Or it's called boundaries and you're getting very good at it. It is called. (laughs) Look at you. Takes practice. Growing. Oh my God. So evolved. Love that for you. You love that. Thanks, babe. Should we get into it? Let's get into it. All right. Who wants to talk? Can I talk? Casey, uh, you can talk me any day. <laughs> okay. Noted. Dicalicious. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Dacalicious. I'm Casey. And I'm Leah. And we're back again. Yes, we are. Just for the listeners out there, this is our first recording in a while. Um, I think it's been, what, like three months, four months? Yeah, I think it, we've been it's in probably, production. yeah, about three, at least three months. No, more than, more than three months, like, yeah, maybe four months. Production took longer than we expected. And you know what, in that time... We're keeping up the release schedule, but two episodes ago, Rebel Wilson had just been outed, and now she has a baby and she's engaged. Yeah, man, it's fucking so... time moves so fast. It's insane. <laughs> yes, lesbian time warp. Wow. I mean, so here we are. Stereotypes, eh? She's living her lesbian truth. I'm happy for her. And actually, she's not the only one who's changed living situations. Leah, I think you have a little update for us. Yes. So I actually left Paris. I Sad. took all my stuff back to my mum's house in England. And now I am traveling. Now I am currently mm-hmm. traveling around India on a motorbike. So exciting yes I feel like have you got your bandana in a back pocket I have not since we spoke about that I've actually changed my mind a little bit about the bandana I think mainly part to the fact that I'm a little bit scared to wear it so I've changed the bandana from my back pocket to around my neck so that all of the dust doesn't kind of yeah cover me but it's okay the bandana is there in spirit and you know it's an evolution of the bandana no longer yeah. in the back pocket. Now it's mm-hmm. moved up to the neck. One day maybe it'll be on my head. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. All right. And did you go straight from Paris to India? No, I did not. So along the way, when I left Paris, as I said already, I went back to England to drop mm-hmm. off all of my stuff. And then I was briefly in Morocco. And then mm-hmm. I I was in the Ivory Coast in Abidjan and the South Coast for about three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I came to India, and so now I've been in India for about just over two and a bit months. And you're staying there for six months, right? Something along those lines. I mean, I don't really have a time frame exactly. I quit my job, mm-hmm. obviously, in Paris and kind of left everything. And so now I'm just kind of going with the flow. And when I'm ready to stop and when the money has drained, then I'll probably have to find a job somewhere, I guess, as we all do. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, what a life. What a life. But for now, I'm really enjoying it. I'm traveling around on a motorbike, living my best lesbian mm-hmm. stereotype life. Love it. I did tell you in the first, is it in the first or the second? I think it's the second episode about how much 
when we discussed stereotypes and how I find women on motorbikes really hot. And mm. I think that it's something that I wanted to become was a diesel dike, I believe is the mm -hmm. term, but for motorbikes and not for cars. Mm. And I'm slowly turning into that. So uh, <laughs> there you I'm are. I'm so proud of you. I'm developing. I'm trying to <laughs> test out the different stereotypes of lesbianing. So you don't have to. Incredible. Exactly. Okay. So you're out there living your lesbian diesel dyke life. So then how gay was your day today then? Today? I mean, I've spent, you know, a couple of hours speaking to you already. And so I would say that's pretty gay. In theory, I mean, like, I'm obviously a little bit later on in the day, but I woke up very late today. So my day hasn't been that gay, but it will get gayer. Mm. It will get gayer. I've got, I've got high hopes. Nice. Good luck with that. Thank you very much. Um, how gay was your day? So it's, yeah, morning time for me here in Paris. It's a public holiday. So okay. I slept in, but my body is quite tired because last night I was chilling at home with kind of no plans and I realized that I wanted to get out and move my body so I went and had a solo climbing session oh did you and I actually yeah I went like really hard and I came off the last climb and my whole body was shaking and I was like oh time to go home <laughs> oh my god and I would consider climbing a gay activity right it definitely is. is very gay uh, 100% is all the best lesbians do it and the gym was full of lesbians last night. So it was a great oh. session. <laughs> oh, do you know what? There's a climbing gym in Delhi, I think. I'm definitely going to try and check that. And what about your week? Because, I mean, as we know, at the time of recording this, last week was Lesbian Visibility Week. Yes, that's right. It was an excellent week. I was loving the social media, loving the real life activities. Mm -hmm. I actually started the week last Saturday with a group of friends going to the best lesbian party in Paris, a.k.a. Barbiturix, mm -hmm. um, the Wet For Me party. party. Yeah. It is a fun party. Yeah, that was good. Um, and then on Sunday we had a little gathering for there's a dyke march that happens in Paris. Well, it happens all around in a few countries. Mm -hmm. I think it started in New York in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. It's like an annual event where a whole bunch of lesbians get together and walk through the Parisian streets, manifestation style. Wow. Actually, not manifestation like a horoscope lesbian, but more like a manif protest style. <laughs> We're out here manifesting good lesbian lives for each other. What a beautiful <laughs> thing. What a beautiful thing. Oh, my goodness. But it was, let me tell you, it was actually raining a lot that morning. So they had to delay by an hour Fuck. to line up with the weather report. But then even as we were walking, it was drizzling. So, yes, everybody was wet. What else would you expect for a dike mark? <laughs> but we had, like, a, we had a pretty good turnout. There was 4,000 people, I think, which I feel like it was less than last year. This is the third one that I've been to. That's so insane, man. Like, I've never heard, like, of the dike march in Paris, like, before you mentioned it to me. Yeah, the first one that I went to, I actually found out about it through one of my male gay friends. And then the second one, I think you were traveling. You were away somewhere last year. Mm. And then this one, you're not here again. What's um, wrong with me? I need to, like, get my fucking priorities in order. Sorry, I didn't mean to list that out. It's like, this is the things that you're not attending. <laughs> but um... Guys, I feel a lot of social pressure <laughs> right now. But hopefully I'll be there for the next one. Yes, come back to Paris, please. Happily, oh. very happily. But anyway, yeah, that was a nice start to the week. And then 
throughout the week there's been a few lesbian activities happening here and there which is which has been really nice it's been a very um very lesbian week on my side I'm very happy about that I'm also very happy to hear that I would have loved to celebrate with you and I, I miss you guys a lot and here I have to say lesbian visibility week hasn't been quite such a big thing at <laughs> least that I found I haven't found any events or anything like that so that's a little bit sad but I'm glad that I can kind of live through you guys and just be happy that it's happening in many different mm-hmm. places. Yeah, appreciating from a distance. So actually, this is also the first episode that we're recording since the podcast has launched. It is. And which has been very nice. It's been very exciting. There were a few stressful days in the lead up, <laughs> sleepless nights on my part. But we just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody that's listened already and left your feedback. We really appreciate the support. Mm-hmm. And if you do feel so inclined, a little five-star review will really go a long way for the <laughs> algorithm to uh, pick us up. <laughs> to work into magic. And just so that we can kind of, yeah, get the knowledge out to everybody and to all of these lesbians that are in need of, of listening to me and Casey chat about how gay our days were and all of this other important um queer stuff yeah you know just to contribute to the community mostly to like share our share our thoughts and feelings and share our event invitations we want to party with you 100 percent. and when i come back to paris Um, i hope that i get to party with everyone absolutely so let's get into the topic today leah do you want to tell the listeners what we're going to talk about i would love to so we're talking about traveling while being a queer woman stepping out of your comfort zone to discover a new country is an exciting adventure for anybody but when you're on the lgbtq plus spectrum then you tend to pause and second guess hold on is it safe to go there yes this is the topic for today Uh, inspired by leah's recent travels and also by our previous travels yes have there ever been places where you've kind of stopped and second guessed the destination there have been i mean there were times like for example last year i went to morocco and obviously on my way after i left paris i also stopped off in morocco and i had a lot of people question me actually and be like whoa hold on why are you going to morocco because of the gay rights there and i mean for me it wasn't so much of a second guessing because I couldn't be gay. It was more of a second guessing because of people were like, why are you going there? Do you know what I mean? And although I I obviously wouldn't like to go somewhere and hide myself, you know, these countries are kind of evolving and maybe it's taking a lot longer for some countries to, to fix and sort their shit out. Mm-hmm. I think for me, like, I haven't, really second guessed many places um and it's not necessarily about second guessing the fact of if I could be gay there I mean Morocco I think is a very Mm -hmm. safe place anyway um for foreigners I'm not sure obviously Mm -hmm. I think it's gonna change a little bit if you're actually from that country where the rights aren't equal yeah Mm-hmm. Um, and also knowing, you know, like the, the embassies and stuff, like if there was a problem that I would be kind of protected and safe and whatever, if it is illegal in, in a particular country or whatever. Um, but it's never really made me second guess. And I think that's just because I'm also very intrigued and interested in speaking and finding people and understanding how it is in that country. And I think if you don't go to these places and experience it and understand the culture and whatever, then you're not necessarily going to know. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, like not every country is perfect, you know, mm -hmm. even in even in Europe and stuff, we still have a long way to go for equality. And, you know, yeah, there are just sure. these countries are just a little bit far behind, but they're starting to get on the right track. So long story short, I don't really second guess it. Have you ever second guessed a specific country or a place? My traveling so far has been primarily in Western countries. So I think I haven't really um, needed to second okay. guess. Like I've traveled a fair bit in the US, in Europe and Australia and New Zealand, obviously. Um, but if I do have to, I tend to be um, kind of strategic with my choices of traveling. Okay. Like I try and avoid doing stopovers in places like Saudi Arabia or Qatar yeah. or those those countries because I know that those countries are so politically homophobic. Mm -hmm. um, I prefer not to like put any extra money into that country. 100%. Um, but, yeah, so far I haven't really had to make choices. Um, I did, though, like, so this year I'm doing – my first trip in Asia, okay. which is very surprising as an Australian, but <laughs> here we are. Um, and the country that I chose to travel to is Taiwan. And actually, I chose to invite you as well. So we are traveling to Taiwan. I can't wait. Um, but I actually chose this country because it was the first country in the Asian area to legalize same-sex marriage. Oh, really? So I wanted to, yeah. And it's also like, because of that, it's kind of become a bit of like the LGBTQ capital central for yeah. Asia. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is just what the blogs say. Like we'll have to go and find out through first-hand experience. Of course, we'll do our lesbian research. Um, we'll exactly. dive deep. Um, we'll do a deep dive on the decks. Um, yeah. So those are the kind of choices that I make. So actually you're not the first person that I've heard that does that and kind of tries to avoid staying or stopping over in in these kind of countries where we don't have equal rights yet or we're not really on the way of having equal rights um and I think that it's just important to clarify that this is not to say that we're against these countries like for example I think you mentioned Saudi Arabia and um, Qatar it's not to say that we're against these countries, but more so just to say, you know, like they already are aware of what they need to do and how things need to change, especially for the for women and the LGBT community. Um, and just that, you know, by avoiding them and trying to do um, do something little is how we make change happen. And so hopefully one day we won't have to avoid them anymore and their rights will be equal. Yeah, totally. It's just like a consumer choice of where I want to put my money. Like if a country doesn't support my rights, then I'm not super excited about buying anything there. Yeah, 100%. But it is also interesting, like what you say as well, it's interesting to go to these countries anyway and to find out what the locals think and how it is, like what's it like on the 100%. ground. 100%. I mean, I think that it's, I'm, just, I'm, I'm somebody that's very interested in understanding different cultures as much as possible and understanding that I'm very privileged to have been born in the UK and to have these rights and not have to think about it very much. Um, and I would like to take the time out consciously to understand that, you know, our rights aren't the same all over the world. And there are still a lot of people that don't have the freedom to, 
to be open enough to come out in the in the community and be who they are and be present and be happy with that because of the way that it is in certain cultures um and so yeah i just i find it very intriguing and very um very important actually just to kind of take like a step back and and see that you know there's still a like we have got like we have come a far way in the at least in the west of like making the changes to make life more equal for us and to to give us equal rights but there's still a lot of places where it's still quite far behind although it is changing it's just very slow um and so yeah I don't know I would just like to understand that I do have quite a lot of privilege when it comes to to being queer and and being in a country where it is it is close to to being where we want to get to yeah what was it like when you were in Cote d'Ivoire were you um were you there by yourself so so I actually went to visit my girlfriend and Mm -hmm. it was very interesting experience because I don't know how much you know about the the Cote d'Ivoire the Ivory Coast um but it is somewhere where homosexuality is not illegal but the law doesn't actually recognize same-sex partnerships or marriage and the public attitudes are a little Mm -hmm. bit less tolerant and there's not really any specific anti-discrimination laws that protect the LGBTQ plus community and so I mean it was there to to visit my girlfriend and it was interesting because I mean the last time that I saw her was in Paris and so it's a totally different vibe from from Paris mm. because you know we're walking around in the street and like PDA is is okay and you know it's not like we're having sex on the street but holding hands and like an occasional kiss or a hug or whatever is you know something that people more mm. or less don't really take take any notice of um and in the Ivory Coast when I was mm-hmm. there we were very careful you know like there was no if we were walking together or whatever, there was no holding hands or there's no like being super close. And, you know, we were a little bit more, I think, on edge just in case somebody were to see it or to make a comment or whatever. So, yeah, I think that there are there were times that we were scared to show that we were in a relationship because we don't know necessarily how people are going to react um, and because neither of us are from mm. there. Like, you know, it's kind of difficult to understand the thinking on the the feeling of, of society there but it's like in for example when we visited Morocco late last year uh it was around the time of the world cup and so she was working and I went out on my own and I was in the street celebrating with everybody and I met this group of like younger kind of people so like early 20s mid 20s and a few of them were journalists and and whatever so I assumed that you know they would be quite liberal and so I went out with them mm-hmm. There was a particular guy that I think was taking a little bit of an interest in me. And then afterwards, you know, my girlfriend came back and we we all met together and like we went out for another drink. And so this guy mm-hmm. was like, you know, quite happily talking to us as if like we had known him for ages, like very open, seemed really chill, seemed really cool. And then uh, we brought up the the topic of being queer and... He was just, I I don't know, like it kind of just in an instant, it kind of changed for him. And he was like, well, hold on. And like, he asked me directly, are you a lesbian? Mm. And for the first time in my life, I said no, um, because I was scared 
of what the <laughs> outcome could have been if he didn't yeah. tolerate it or if he didn't like it he kind of knew the area that I was staying I was a little bit worried about like yeah um, the safety of like both of us or whatever and it was just easier for me to say no and you know like it kind of shocked me because at that stage like I have never ever said no you know I don't want to put myself back in the closet but in that kind of instance sure. I feel like it's quite important to like make sure that your safety is first um and it doesn't it took me like a, a couple of days actually to realize, you know, like what I did was not like a bad thing for the community or whatever. And I'm not kind of taking a step back, but I was putting myself first and ensuring that I was safe. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think knowing that and kind of seeing how his reaction was, even though he was like somebody that I thought was very chill and very open, um, has kind of put it into perspective for me and so now when I visit these countries where it, it is illegal to be gay or it's um it's not basically socially accepted or that the law doesn't recognize same-sex partnerships then I am a little bit more kind of cautious about who I tell yeah far out that must have been like such a weird experience to be questioned so directly like that it was very I don't know like I wasn't expecting it at all and I, I think that it just came out of nowhere and like it was just like really in one mm. second he just kind of came to me and was like are you a lesbian and it was like it wasn't mm. necessarily aggressive but it was very judgmental um like the tone yeah. of his voice so like you know where he's going exactly then. and so from yeah. that you know I kind of understood and then I said no and then he was like you know I just don't agree with it and I think, you know, like they can do that in their free time and they can do it inside, you know, behind closed doors, but in public is disgusting and it shouldn't be happening. And then, you know, we brought up the fact that mm. drinking is also, you know, kind of not, it's frowned upon. And so they have like these separate, like you have to have bars that are very separate from anything else. And that's allowed, but being mm. gay isn't. And it was kind of like a big contradiction, which I thought was very interesting, his reaction, because he was like, that's fine. But being gay is definitely not fine. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's. We still have a long way to go, I think. Um, and I think that's quite evident when you when you speak to some people. Yeah, but there's always a lot of like hypocritical ideas around homophobia, 100%. and yeah, I mean, these kind of rules are so arbitrary. The kind of rules where the government dictates what you can do with your body yeah. when you're outside of a community. I think the rules of that community can be quite can seem quite strange and arbitrary. Mm -hmm. Like for for us, it doesn't make sense to ban alcohol or to ban homosexuality, which are two like extremely yeah. different things. But when you're inside the community, it does make sense. And it, you kind of do develop your own understanding of what rules you can bend and things like that, which is probably why to him it makes sense that sure there are some bars that allow drinking, but you're not allowed to be gay in front of mm -hmm. him or whatever. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, right. And so that was in in Morocco. And then so you were in Morocco and Cote d'Ivoire with your girlfriend. And what about India? Did she, because I know she came to visit you as well. <laughs> she did. Yeah, so she came to India for a couple of weeks and we stereotypically rode around on my motorbike wearing bandanas Beautiful. and being super fucking gay. And Actually, it's the first time, like, I've been mm -hmm. to India before, and it's the first time that I've kind of had a romantic relationship in India of any kind. And so yeah. it was very interesting for me to see kind of how people were going to react to it. 
And something that's quite common to see when you're roaming around the streets of India is like men that are basically just holding hands. Like you can see so many different age groups of men and they're just like holding hands and like linking their fingers. And it's like absolutely fucking adorable because it's just so innocent. And yeah, it's, it's really, really cute to see. And so as to women, especially foreign women, I think when we hold hands and stuff, it's not, it's not automatically all these fucking lesbians. It's more of a, oh, they're really good friends, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's more of a, like, they just don't assume as, you know, like, I think if, if I was walking around in Paris and I saw two women holding hands, I'd be like, oh my God, lesbians, you know? Uh, and like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. just not assumed. It's like, oh, that's cute. They're like really, really good friends, blah, 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 blah. And it's more of an innocent kind of thing, um, which is nice in some ways, but also like, maybe I want recognition, you know? Um, it's kind of yeah I don't know it's a thin line but it's nice and as we were going around we didn't really nobody actually at all questioned us or even looked when we were holding hands or like when we were giving each other a cuddle or whatever or even kissing occasionally but yeah like nobody batted an eyelid which was a really nice thing and you know we felt very accepted even though it was probably more of a they didn't even assume that that was what was happening you know And so, yeah, yeah, I mean, I felt pretty comfortable, but I know that if I were to tell people quite openly, like, for example, we went Mm. to Manali, which is in the Himalayas, and we were sat having Mm. some chai, and then we were going to go for a walk next to the river. And as we were sat down, this guy comes up to us and he's like, hey, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. And so we were having a chat with him. And so then we like paid for our coffee and we, you know, say goodbye. And we we're very polite and said, OK, like, you know, nice to meet you, but we're going to go now. So have a good day. And so we left and like we were walking for probably about 10 minutes. OK. And mm-hmm. like all of a sudden we hear somebody shouting at us. And so like we turn around and we see this guy running towards us and we're like, what the fuck like did we forget something like what the fuck you know and Mm. it was just it was pretty hilarious actually because he was so out of breath and he's like can I have your water and so we gave him the water and he's just like just give us a second so this guy was like super out of breath and it was just like really for like two minutes we were just like looking at him and he was just like (sighs) and he was also a personal trainer which I don't really understand anyway how could he be that out of breath so okay <laughs> if you're listening i think his name was prince you've got to work on your cardio man <laughs> um but then he like stopped and he's like okay you know i just like we were gonna leave and then i just thought about you two and i just wanted to ask like are you single and i was like no we're married and he looked at he looked at us and he's like oh and then i was like to each other and he's like oh um so you guys are married to each other. And I was like, yeah, we're married to each other. We're lesbians. And he was like, oh, okay. Like, that's not what I expected to hear. And I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit disappointed. And I was like, well, Tom P, you know, like, <laughs> what could you do, man? He was like, okay. Um, well, that's not what I expected. Uh, but, you know, I'm happy. I'm, I'm glad that you guys are together. You seem very nice, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, so... Um, maybe we could still be friends, you know, like I'd really like to be friends with you. I think you, you guys are really cool. Um, can I maybe give you my Instagram? Mm. You know, I'm a personal trainer. And so 
I took his Instagram and I'm like, okay, cool. Like have fun. Bye-bye. And I just took his Instagram because I was like, fuck, it's going to be easier. And my girlfriend was just like, why? Yeah. Like how, like when did you decide that it was going to be safe for you to do that? Yeah. So um, in general, like it's not something that I will say to everybody that I'm a lesbian. I mean, if I'm on my own, no problem. But considering that I was with her and I, I didn't want to put her in harm's way or whatever, then like I, I generally try to be a little bit more careful. But this guy was like clearly yeah. quite advanced in his like kind of thinking or whatever. And also as a foreigner, I, f- I think that here foreigners are, are kind of appreciated quite a lot. And so I know, I mean, I just mm. got the vibe from him that he wasn't going to be a- aggressive or whatever about it. And so I, yeah, I mentioned it mm-hmm. and I, and then afterwards, a couple of days later, I had posted a picture on my Instagram of me or like I reposted a, a picture from what somebody had like posted and he sent me a message and he's like, you mm. are so beautiful. And I'm like, buddy, for fuck's sake, man, like get the, get the concept. Okay. I'm married to a woman and I'm not interested in you, but I find it quite funny how much they try. Yeah. It's very persistent. It is very persistent. Yeah. yeah wow. So I'm not sure if you're aware at the moment, Casey, but in India, currently in the Supreme Court, they're discussing and trying to put through the right to gay marriage. So there are two lawyers that are actually a couple fighting to get this law passed, uh, Minaka Mm -hmm. Guruswami and Arundhati Katri. Mm -hmm. And they actually, so they're a couple, a lesbian couple, and they contributed to the decriminalization of gay sex in 2018. And then obviously this year, they also put a petition in and like they were one of, I think it's around 23 couples that had actually put in a petition to to pass the bill of gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually just a really nice quote that I'd quite like to read from Menaka um, mm. when she was speaking in the Supreme Court, which is marriage is not a question of dignity as if that were not enough. It's also a bouquet of rights that LGBTQ people are being denied. Um, which I think is now like I've been following a little bit of the of the trial and it's so interesting and so nice to see how much these people care and it's because it's like it's actual like queer people it's not just lesbian couples Mm. you know it's gay couples as well that are that are trying to pass this for everybody and they're just like it's a fucking human right and also you know in India at least they need it to rent a house or to get a loan from the bank to get health insurance for your partner to be able to go and visit your son in at the hospital if that is ever the case um and so they make some really really good arguments actually um on top of just the fact that it should be it should be legal uh and i'm trying to keep up to date and i you know i think that it's a it's showing that india is coming and progressing so much from like, for example, like 10 years ago, even like, it's, it's fucking incredible to see the difference and to see that this is happening, you know, in such a, well, in a, in a place where they have the, the country's largest population. Um, but actually, fun fact, I was reading. And so I think the Indian government, it was in um, 2014, um, they had basically said that 
they predicted that there was basically, um, I think it was like 2.5 million people that were gay in the whole of India. And actually, there's another predictor um, that predicts worldwide, like or countrywide, how many people are gay in certain countries. And actually, it's closer to 135 million people in India, which is like 10% of the population. Um, which I find very interesting, you know, like because 135 million people is quite a lot of people. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a more normal sp- uh, statistic than exactly. the and first so, one. Exactly. And I think that the first one was just like, oh, no, it's really not a thing, you know, like it's not an important thing or whatever. Um, so it's nice to see that things are changing and that, you know, people are kind of progressing here. Sure. Yeah. The um, the marriage debate is quite an important one, I think, because you really don't realize how much comes along with that, with exactly. just that recognition of your relationship especially when you start thinking in terms of like health and where you're living and everything. Um, it's, it's just, yeah, basic rights. And, um, and I think that when, when countries do legalize gay marriage, it also helps society to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. People are, are forced to um, accept it more. Exactly. So fingers crossed uh, in the coming weeks, it will change and it would be absolutely incredible. I would be very, yeah. very happy to be here at a moment like that. Yeah. So I guess what our plan is actually is to kind of follow the story a little bit more and hopefully you'll be able to find some locals to talk to and to get some inside information in that way. And then in the next few weeks, we'll do an episode that's a little bit more in depth about this topic, 100%. Um, which I think will be quite interesting to to hear like how the people are feeling because I mean I remember for me in Australia when the marriage debate was happening it was it's quite stressful to be watching the news every day and to watch the politicians and the journalists kind of talk about what kind of rights you deserve Um, yeah it's really it's a really unsettling process but a really important fight to fight no, it really is. And I think that it's it's a very nerve-wracking thing because it holds a lot of people's lives on the line. Um, mm. And, yeah, I mean, I am very interested in kind of figuring out how it is to be gay here and, and understand what it kind of means to people as well. So definitely stay tuned for that episode. Yeah, cool. Hi, this is Casey. Just popping in a um, correction here. What we're talking about in this section is the fact that the Indian Supreme Court is hearing a series of petitions from 18 LGBTQ plus couples in the case to legalize same-sex marriage. So Casey, when you travel, do you look up queer things to do or how do you kind of work it when you go to a new country? Yeah, these days I do. I tend to find out where the um, where the gay quarter is in the city or if there are any bars Mm-hmm. it's extremely difficult to find any lesbian bars wherever I'm traveling lately but yeah it is something that I actively look out I think for me the most difficult place to find anything was Athens the queer scene there is incredibly underground and really yeah it, like there's one gay bar that does like one party once a month outside of the city I was speaking to because I went to Athens for a month, like two years ago, 
And I was speaking to a hairdresser there who was an amazing Greek man who actually grew up in Melbourne. Oh, really? living in Athens. Yeah, he was living in Athens with his Italian husband. And he was telling me that actually um, Athens, or Greece, Greece in general, is extremely conservative and people are quite worried there about wearing like wearing their pride on their sleeve kind of thing um so that's why there's really not much of a scene but I do also find like when I'm traveling or I have found at certain points in my life that it's like if I have the time I like to look up if there are any meetups that happen in the city I did that in Lisbon as well I went to a lot of um meetups with the local LGBT group and also like found out about a few things that were happening through going on dates through the <laughs> through the dating apps <laughs> and, and how do you how do you find like the, the the meetups and stuff like do you use the the app meetups because I know like I tried to use that a couple of times but like for example here meetups doesn't mm. work at all like there's nothing queer happening like so openly um so like is it is it that or is it like Facebook or like where do you tend to find these kind of things I think a mixture of things like there are a lot of groups that are moving off meetup because meetup is so expensive and Mm -hmm. Facebook offers the same things for free. Yeah. Um, But you do have to kind of get creative with what you type as well, because the algorithms block so many things. Yeah. Like it's harder to find groups. I think in certain cities, the people are less inclined to publicize what they're doing and they prefer to be more word of mouth, I guess. It really depends on the the culture that you're in, right. and how um, how accepting it is. Yeah, I mean, I find that, like, for example, being here, uh, it's quite hard to to find. Like, the the scene is quite underground or quite yeah, word of mouth based more than online and very public and open for everybody. Um, <clears throat> and so, like, I've started to to use the dating apps to try to make queer friends and try to find out, you know, like where the best thing is. And it's just, it's mm. quite hard, I think, because the, there's mm. a massive like element of trust that's lacking um, due to like, I don't know, like the people being scared that, that somebody's going to join the group or whatever and, and harass people or abuse people or whatever, uh, which is a mm. very sad thing as well. Um, yeah. But when you when you find people, I, I guess it's uh, it's very nice and, and you feel pretty safe in, in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like do you do a search when you arrive in a new city for the queer spaces? Yes. I think that's the first thing that I do when I'm just like when I'm waiting at the airport or something and I'm just like, OK, like what's going on here? Where are the parties? Where are the lesbians? But yeah, I'm finding like the places that I I'm starting to go to now like I don't know like Southeast Asia and around Africa and stuff it does tend to be a lot more difficult to find these kind of things so as soon as I realize and I figure out a way that kind of works I will let you know there's some a really nice app actually called Spaces which I mean you already know about Casey because you told me and introduced Mm. me to it but there's a really nice group on there that's like queer travel guides or something along those lines and it's all of these people are just putting like okay where they travel to and then they're saying like how friendly like queer friendly it is and it's for everybody and it's free to use and it's a really nice app actually yeah it's a good app so one thing that I have kind of experienced I guess is that when I tend to travel 
um, I do find that most of the things that I that I come across are just LGBT, like all all inclusive, obviously, or like for gay men. And there's not specifically things for like lesbians or queer women. Yeah. I don't know if you found that like, but I, I find it quite annoying as well, because like sometimes I don't want to be around gay men and I just want to be around like lesbians and people that I can relate to in more than just uh, we're both gay. You know. Yeah, I think something that I've noticed, particularly in the last year when travel has restarted after COVID, is that there are so many lesbian bars and cafes that have closed down. So there's a huge trend at the moment to have pop-up parties, Yeah, 100%. which is something that happens a lot here in Paris. And then you and I, we found that when we went to London. Yeah. And also when I was in Sydney, which is fantastic for the local scene. Like the parties are good, but sometimes you don't want to, like you don't want parties to be the only option. Yeah, like just like queer spaces for sure. Yeah, it's hard to find somewhere to just like chill and like have a coffee or have a drink, and you know it's um it's a bit it's a bit disappointing. Like there's no queer spaces to just hang out, and there's no like. Like you said, there's no lesbian spaces or queer women spaces to just hang out. And it's not like we're trying to, I don't know, like when I say that I want like lesbian spaces, it's not because I don't want to be around men or whatever. It's just like it would be nice to have something that we have just for us, you know, and like it's like it's a different kind of special. But, yeah, I mean, like there's that place that we went to in London what's it called the glass house and they had a so they have a bookshop slash coffee shop and they also had a bar and recently Mm. what I noticed when I went back after I left Paris was that they had to close down the bar because it just wasn't making enough money it's like a queer women queer women kind of bar place and I'm wondering if it's because it's for like queer women that it closed down and it wasn't making enough money it kind of refers back I guess to the point where we're like a lesbians just like hooking up and then just never leaving their house because they've moved in with their girlfriend and their cat and, and whatever. Well, I guess there is a pretty common theory that lesbians have much less or women have much less disposable income than men. So they do tend to make those kind of sacrifices of like they go out less. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I think that it's made up of many elements. Um, it's just very sad, you know, that all of the lesbian bars close out. We've been seeing this for years, you know, like it's not, something that's new from COVID it's just it's very sad because we think that we're starting to like get somewhere and then all of a sudden this bar and that bar are closed because of money issues or whatever and mm-hmm. so hopefully that's something that that does change and we don't have to have just these pop-up events once a month or something yeah because the pop-up events are really not helpful for traveling yeah of course actually you can't organize your holiday around a party that's happening on the other side of the world (laughs) I mean you know if something's happening on the 26th of June I will be there for the 26th of June and make sure that I just revolve around that but it does probably get more expensive that way and it's yeah it's annoying you know like if you feel like you just want to pop to a gay bar and and crack on with it like fuck yeah do it Okay, so just before we recorded, we did a a quick little survey on a Facebook group asking about other people's experiences while traveling. And one of our questions was, what is your favorite destination, which is lesbian and queer friendly? And one of the answers we got was Tel Aviv and Amsterdam, which I guess Amsterdam is a little bit obvious. It's already known to be a very open-minded city. Yeah. 
And I think I would expect to feel quite safe there. But Tel Aviv surprised me, actually. I didn't, like, considering all of the um, conflict that happens in that area on a regular basis, I didn't expect Tel Aviv to be a um, queer-friendly space. I mean, honestly, like, from what I've heard since I've been traveling, like, a lot of people have told me that they visited Tel Aviv and that it's, like, one of the gay capitals for, like, the Middle East and stuff. And I also was very surprised to hear that. And recently, like, I've just been hearing so many people going to Tel Aviv and apparently, like, the scene is just off the charts. And so I'm kind of curious to see what it's like, actually. Yeah, for me, it wouldn't have been somewhere that I would have particularly thought would have had that kind of that kind of vibe. Yeah, right. Maybe I should go and check out Tel Aviv and see what's happening there. Maybe we should take a Dicalicious trip to Tel Aviv. Yes. Let's, let's, let's do some research. Let's do some research. We'll let you know next time how it goes. So another question was, how do people find out about the LGBT district when they travel? Which actually, I think is a very helpful question, because I mean, we're always looking for ways to kind of figure out where we're going and what's around and etc, etc. And so it's quite nice to have uh, some responses from that. A lot of people answered Facebook groups or like Google searches. And a lot of responses actually say that for example, when they do see it mentioned, it's not necessarily updated. So there could be a queer bar or a lesbian bar that was open. And then when they go to visit, it's like six months after that. And then suddenly, like all of a sudden, the bar has closed down or, you know, it no longer exists or it's been mixed now with like a gay bar or like with for gay men. And I mean, I think that it's quite a difficult thing to look into or sometimes like it depends obviously on the country. But I think that it's, yeah, it's quite a closed off thing. And the best way, I think, to find out is through LGBT people, which is why, again, like, I think I would suggest if you are traveling and you want to go and and find out all of the best kind of queer hotspots, like if I could just suggest, like, maybe checking Tinder or Bumble or some of the dating apps just to find locals that are part of the queer community and that might be able to tell you a little bit more. I think that generally that's the best way to find these places and at least to find the best kind of or the nicest queer environments, et cetera, et cetera, and the safe spaces as well. And you don't have to, you know, like a lot of people, I think, think that when you use dating apps you have to be dating at that time and actually it's not the case you know like you you can put in your bio that you're you know just looking for friends or you're visiting the country and I find that that is a really helpful way for you to meet people to make friends and to hang out and stuff as well so it kind of it makes the trip a little bit nicer as well yeah totally okay cool so Erica that's a pretty good wrap-up of traveling while queer all the ups and downs that come with that definitely Before we sign off, we are thinking of pulling together some information because this kind of content is so hard to find. Um, And we're thinking of putting together like maybe a Google Sheet or a Google Map or something like this. So in our episode description, you're going to find a link where you can share your personal experiences with us. If you have any women-loving women bars that you want to let us know about, please share the goss. You need to know. I need to know where to go. Okay. So on that note, Leah, let's say you are in a foreign country. You've managed to find the woman loving woman bar of the city. And there's a very sexy girl waiting at the bar. Do you have a pickup line for her? Uh, I certainly do. Um, Okay. So you remind me of a happy meal. Why? Because I'm going to make you come with a toy inside. Oh, fuck.
It's pretty good, huh? Yeah, right. That one's pretty Straight good. Straight to the point. It's kind of PG. Harris it to some of my others. <laughs> I don't think it is that PG. We're talking about toys. But... PG. It's PG. Okay, so thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Apologies for all the extra background noise this time. Just keeping it real. Yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> and if you want to stay in touch, you can follow us on Instagram. Our handle is dicalicious underscore podcast. Or you can send us an email at dicalicious.podcast at gmail.com. Perfect. You can send us an email with your favorite queer bar or recommendation feedback let us know what you think or even if you have any very good lesbian pickup lines i would love i would absolutely love to hear them so please send them in just to make me laugh or yeah if you have a story of a successful pickup line i will i want to hear that oh yes we do we want to hear the gas yeah give us everything and yes thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for your support and we'll talk to you next time speak to you next time bisous bisous Take it off.